All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way up here uh, for your teachers to take you down to your classroom, and then also all those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, if you make your way to the back and meet with your teachers back there, they'll do the same. I, I would say that if, just, just a reminder to all the parents, make sure that you have the 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 sticker that goes along so you could claim your children. If not, they have to stay here. Okay? So, so <laughs> please, please, what's that? Do that, yeah. <laughs> Get the stickers. Anyway, just for safety, we, we want to make sure everybody's safe. All right. Parents are always, I, I do want to say, parents are always welcome to, to join your children, see what's going on, uh, see what's being taught, and, and, and the kids are being uh, led into. So... Praise God for a group of kids, right? And and we've had we've had them just a, a good number, and and so we definitely praise God for that. Uh, if you looked at the bulletin or even up here, you already know that my title of my sermon is Kingdom Tough, and I, I actually came up with that because reading through Acts chapter fourteen, many of you'll come up with the same term that 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 uh, specifically Peter. And I'm not Peter, Paul and Barnabas are going through tough circumstances. Uh, their, their mission, they're on that first missionary journey. This is the second part. We've, we've already gone through chapter 13. Chapter 14, they are, they're going through this first missionary journey, southern Galatia, and they're going through tough circumstances. I just entitled it Kingdom Tough. We've already seen this, though. We, we have already seen tough circumstances that those who are taking the gospel uh, in, in, into a community or into all throughout Jerusalem and, and Judea and Samaria, we've seen other tough circumstances. You know, the apostles brought before the Sanhedrin, beaten, uh, put in prison. Uh, of course, the, the, the first martyr, Stephen, who was executed, you know, uh, through, through stoning. Uh, there in chapter 7, there is just tough circumstances for those who are taking this gospel message into the world. Hey, church, that's what we're called to do, right? Uh, that it's still the, the consistent message uh, for the church to continue to take this gospel message into the world. Why is it difficult? Uh, why, why so much difficulty? We think that this, this message that is called, you know, a, a great message from God, a message of peace to them, and that peace absolutely identifying that this is going to be between myself and God. It's going to be a relationship between myself and God that, that comes through Jesus Christ. Why is that difficult? It would seem like the world would be elated for such a message, Right? Well, Jesus gives us a pretty clear understanding of what's going to be happening as we take it into the world. Matthew 10, 34 through 36. Uh, here, here's something that Jesus said, you know, before, before the church even began. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. It's going to cause division. And matter of fact, as we go through this chapter 14, we're going to see cities 
divided, exactly what Jesus said. There's going to be a dividing in, in places where there's peace. And, and okay, when it, when it says, hey, Jesus said, I, I didn't come to bring peace, he did come. He is the Prince of Peace. But the message of that salvation, the message of that peace is entering into world in conflict. And it's in conflict because of our sin and our rebellion. That's what this message of peace has to penetrate. Therefore, there is going to be a dividing. That's, that's why we see Paul and Barnabas facing such difficulties. I, I'm going to begin. Actually, we're going to go through all of chapter 14. Uh, and, and I'm going to read a, a portion of it. Uh, because of time, we're just, we're just going to begin with the first seven verses and then, then walk through the rest of this as we go. But first of all, Acts chapter 14, 1 through 7. What, where we left in chapter 13, they were in Antioch of, of Pisidia. They were in Antioch. And, and if you remember that, that, that towards the end, because of persecution, uh, Paul and Barnabas were driven out of Antioch. And they headed to Iconium is exactly what 13 says at the very end. So 14 verses 1 through 7. This, this continues on from where we were. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Yay! Right? That sounds good. Number two. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers. Boo! <laughs> I want you to catch on what's going on here, all right? Verse 3. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Yay! Okay. Verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and, and to stone them. Again, boo, right? But the last, you know, verse 8 they learned, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Yay! <laughs> it is a back and forth that's going on in Iconium. Matter of fact, uh, uh, I, I haven't done this yet, but I think, uh, go ahead and put that map up there if you would, Jim, if you find it. Next, oh, oh, okay. I, I didn't say this. Uh, we're we're going to focus on that theme, that, that idea of being kingdom tough. That idea of being kingdom tough. Because I do believe what God in, that God enables us to endure difficult things. Therefore, I, I wrote it down in your outline. It says God's people are made to endure. We're, we're strengthened. We're going to talk a lot about that. That's where the focus is going to be as we go through this chapter 14. That, that we are build, built to be strong through what God has given us. Okay? Uh, this map. This map is all the first journey, which we could see. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, and then we're going to get up to Iconia where we are. But we all know that... Now, this is dangerous. I found out I have a pointer. It means we could do some fun things. But anyway... 
we'll see what happens. But anyway, here, here's the map we've been traveling in. We haven't, we haven't done this, but remember Antioch? Uh, the church in Antioch, very exciting. Greeks uh, or Gentiles and Jews both coming to, to know the Lord. Uh, they were directed by the Holy Spirit to send out Paul and Barnabas, and so they did. They commissioned them, and they went on this first missionary journey. Uh, journey which started in 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 Cyprus in the in the island of Cyprus remember that that was all in chapter 13 verse 13 they they left this this uh, city of uh, Paphos where it, if you were with, together with us it was Sergius Paulus was preached to and he received Christ they went up inland to Perga it didn't mention anything about preaching there, but the intent was they traveled up to this Antioch of Pisidia, which I mentioned earlier. Last week, here's what we saw. Uh, Paul had the opportunity to twice preach in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Uh, that first time was, man, he, he spoke about the goodness of God and how he established this, this kingdom uh, through the fathers and went through all the things that God had done on behalf of, of the, the, uh, uh, the nation of Israel. But, but then he said, now, now, I've, now God has sent his Savior. God has sent Jesus into the room. And that's good news. Because ultimately, he said, for those who believe, there's forgiveness. For those who believe, there is freedom from the condemnation of their sinfulness. Now, on that first Sabbath day, they were elated. They were excited. Matter of fact, there were several who came up to him afterwards. This is the way a good you know, preacher knows it's a good sermon. Hey, we want you to come back and do it again. And that's what they were saying to Paul. Come back and do it again. Until the next Sabbath day... It says that, man, the, the church was packed out. Luke describes it as most of the city was there. Most of, almost all the city was there at the synagogue. And, and uh, right away it says the Jews were jealous. The Jews were jealous. When, when it comes to the opposition that, that's coming from the Jews, understand the first word that's ever said concerning their opposition in this area is they were jealous. They, weren't, they didn't have a righteous indignation because they wanted to be protective of the law. I think it definitely became that. But the first emotion that's identified is jealousy. And that turned into some real problems for Paul and Barnabas. They uh, right away began to stir up problems for them in that city of Antioch. Uh, brought about persecution for these two guys. And they drove them out of the city. And they went to Iconium. We just read about Iconium. Iconium is, is about 80 miles uh, in that territory, southern territory of Galatia. 80 miles to Iconium. In Iconium, here's what, here's what we just read. I mean, the first thing, the yay, was a good number of Jews and Gentiles were believing in the message and receiving Jesus. Oh, that's exciting, right? In Iconium? But it says that there were unbelieving Jews that were there. We don't know. I mean, here, here's some thoughts. The possibility is maybe some Jews followed them from Antioch. We're not sure. It, it is also possible that, that the Jews in Iconium responded in the same way that the Jews did in Antioch. We're just uncertain. 
Uh, but, but what we do know is that unbelieving Jews started stirring up problems, started uh, uh, poisoning their minds, the scripture says, and turning, uh, turning people against Paul and Barnabas. What was their response? Well, they, they stayed a long time is the next phrase. That's a yay. They were, they were bold in what they were doing. Even though opposition was being stirred up, they stayed a long time, the scripture says, and they continued to teach on behalf of the Lord. The Lord. That means they continued in that gospel message. Jesus' death, his resurrection. The focus on him. And forgiveness comes through Jesus. That was the message that they continued to preach. And along with it, it said that God was right there and he was granting them the ability with, with signs and wonders. And important, in order to grant a witness or a testimony to what was being said. All this strength was right there with Paul and Barnabas to declare the message of Christ. And they were still divided. They were still, this city was still divided. Matter of fact, the next phrase says that, that both the Jews and the Gentiles got together with the rulers of Iconium, and they were, they were plotting to bring trouble to them, including a stoning. They were planning to stone Paul and Barnabas. Well, somehow, someone went to them and told them what was going on, and when they heard what was going on, they moved on. They didn't... I think it's important to say they didn't have a martyr's complex. I think there's that point in time, man, that idea of dying for Jesus. There, they, can there be anything greater than to give your life to Jesus or give your life uh, on behalf or lose your life on behalf of Jesus because of what you're doing? They didn't have that kind of martyr's complex, as, as psychologists would call it. They, they uh, left the city because of the possibility of that kind of trouble. So they left the city, I get to use a pointer again, and went down, you look, Iconium, they went straight down like 20, it's like 24 miles to Lystra, straight to uh, south of, of Iconium to Lystra. In Lystra, a lot happened. In, in, the, in the city of Lystra, uh, I, it doesn't say, but you know they went in probably this, you know, into the synagogue and, and began to preach uh, the gospel again. Uh, right away it says that Paul noticed a man who was crippled, crippled specifically in his feet, unable to walk since birth. He also noticed within this man a faith that was working. You know, a good possibility that as Paul was declaring a message, he saw this man maybe receiving or receptive to that message. And Paul, noticing his crippled feet, said to him, he shouted at him, he said, stand up on your feet. And the man got right up. He sprang up and began walking. It reminds us of Acts chapter 3, uh, where Peter and John were going into the temple. Crippled man by the door said the same thing. Hey, rise up and walk. And he did that. He jumped to his feet. And, and the same circumstances here. And, and when the, when the, the uh, uh, pay, I'll say the pagan people in, in Lystra saw it, uh, their response was very adverse. They began to worship uh, Paul and Barnabas. They, they began to, or, or what they said was, they, they felt like what had happened was the gods had come in the form of men. You know, Hermes, as, as, 
as Paul, who, who is like the, the spokesman on behalf of Zeus, and Zeus was Barnabas. And, and they were going to commit sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. Well, when Paul and Barnabas found out what was going on, they were, you know, they, they tore their clothes. We see that when blasphemy takes place. The Jews tore their clothes. I, I mean, the, uh, Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes, and they said no. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles open, it's 15 through 17 is the message they laid out. He said, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men, and like nature, and, and like nature with you. We're just like you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. Point of the message, right? This is not from us. This is from the living God. Who, uh, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. You know, he had that one nation, one nation Israel, and all, nether, all the other nations went their other way. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Look what God has done. Even for the Gentiles, he has been preserving and blessing them. And he says, that has all been from the living God that you need to recognize. All right, that was the message to the Gentiles. First message, actually, we've heard directly to the Gentiles from Paul and Barnabas. Uh, but it's, the scripture goes on saying, but even with these words, they had a hard time deterring them from making sacrifices on their behalf. Oh, man, that, that's a mess, right? Well, it's already a mess at Lystra. But then, then from Antioch that was bringing you know, persecution and Iconium that had plotted to stone them, uh, Jews from Antioch and Iconium came to Lystra. And, and they, uh, they um, promoted, or what would they do? Uh, they... they uh, uh, Persuaded, that's the word I was looking for. They persuaded those, those crowds. They're already probably a little miffed at them because they're, they're trying to stop them from worshiping. Anyway, they stirred them up and they stoned Paul. They stoned Paul and they took him out of the city and left him for dead. The disciples, it, you know, this is just real brief from Luke, but Luke says that the disciples just gathered around Paul and Paul got up. I can't help but think some kind of a miraculous something took place. Did Paul die? They left him for dead. Uh, did, did God raise him? It doesn't say in the scriptures. Did God heal him? Because what we see him doing, he gets up and he goes back into the city. Next day he goes on to another city. That even, even that to me is miraculous. But he was able to get up and, and to move on to Derby. Uh, something else that occurs to me is, is the rest of the time, he goes on to Derby, no opposition. He, he, he actually, uh, both of them travel back through these cities, no more opposition. Why do you think? Paul is back. We left him for dead, and oh my goodness. Do you think there was possibility of some fear that struck their hearts because, oh my goodness, look, here he is. I thought we killed him. Anyway, uh, the, the last thing we see is they, they move on to the city of Derby, and there the scripture says that they made many disciples there. 
and, and the preaching of the gospel. I, I, I'm going to encourage you to read through that chapter 14. I know I went through it just so I could uh, get through it a little quicker because there's some things that I want us to really look at. First of all, do you see uh, that Paul and Barnabas are kingdom tough? Would you, would you recognize that and, and agree with me that these guys are tough? They, they didn't turn around and go back home. They, they didn't uh, say, okay, Lord, thank you, but I, I think we'll go, go back to tent making or we'll, we'll go do something else, catching fish, whatever they were doing before. This is too difficult. There's too much risk in taking the gospel. But they kept going from city to city. This, this was actually just possibly about a year's time that all from, from Antioch all the way back to, and then, then back to Antioch, it was about a year's time, maybe give or take maybe some, uh, some extra months in there. Uh, and, and so it's pretty amazing. Part of the reason why it was brief is because of the opposition they faced. They're tough. But the question that I had as I went through this is what about the church? Okay, they've been, they've been having believers in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. All those churches, are, I mean, what we're saying, there's congregations, there are churches being established in each city. Believers, what about them? They are, they are born in a territory of lots of trouble, right? Persecution and, and, and being stoned. So what did they do? Here's, here's an idea. I mean, I just looked at this and I thought, Paul and Barnabas, if you're going back to Antioch, I'm, I'm just looking. You know, I think, isn't this closer between, you know, and matter of fact, Tarsus is Paul's hometown. That's where he is from. This would seem to be a shorter route. Instead, and on purpose, I won't say, instead, they went back. In the verses we're just about to read, they go back to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch before they go down here and get a ship back to Antioch. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, verses 21 through 23. How, why was it so important for Saul and Barnabas to make their way back through these cities where believers were. And listen carefully. Here's what it says. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel of that city, which is Derby, and had made dis many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Did you hear the words? Can you put it? Why? Why did they travel back? In order to strengthen and encourage is the word we see. They went back to strengthen and encourage the believers in, in the cities, specifically of Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Uh, Lystra, where, where Paul was, was uh, left for dead uh, and threatened in the other two cities. 
They went back to strength. You know, the church needs strengthening. I think the church needs challenging as well. Because, because we, and we need a message. As a matter of fact, how, where, where did their encouragement come from except through exhortation or preaching or, or teaching? It was, it was through their words that they strengthened them. And, and it wasn't just their words, it was his word. I want to make that clear. It's not their words, but their words were directed by what God's message is to them. And what was that message? It really is simple where they went. Uh, the, the first message was be faithful. To be faithful. Listen, we, we know that... Um, Matter of fact, at the end of, of the very last verse in, in, in chapter 13, that they're already strengthened. If they've received the gospel, they've already been strengthened. At that chapter, chapter 13, the final verse says that the disciples there, those who were believing in Christ from the message that was delivered, they were filled with joy and the Spirit. God's already providing within them those two things identified in the Scriptures. It is joy that is, can be absolutely identified in that gospel message. That joy comes from this message of Jesus. The joy they have comes from the message of Jesus. What? Of forgiveness and, and freedom from the, uh, uh, the condemnation of their sin. Freedom and, and deliverance from their sin is what, what, where that joy comes from and the Holy Spirit that indwells them. Those are the things that they were strengthened with uh, the last part of, of chapter 13. That's what they already have identified with. Now this message is coming from them. I, I want you to, to just think for a minute, what was the early church strengthened with? That first group, that 3,000 souls who were baptized and received the Holy Spirit, what were they doing that we could identify? Man, that, that must have been strengthening for those people. 42 in, verse 42 in Acts chapter 2 was this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which for, for us it's a remembrance of what Jesus did for us. It's remembering that grace. It's, it's remembering this is my salvation. It's Christ's death and his resurrection, right? And it's prayer. There's strength in, in those things. It's strengthening for the church in their church's involvement in those things. But, but what about the message that's going to the church here? It is about being faithful. Faithful to what? He said, you know, continue in your faith is what he said. And their faith is established upon the message they deliver, that message about Jesus. Right? That they, they were to remain faithful to the message they've given, they've been given, to, to, to embrace that faith, but also to live the live that grace that God has given. And, and so uh, that's the beginning. Later on in, in, in Galatians, uh, we look in that book and, and think about all that Paul had two years later to, to tell them about. 
to share with him. One of those places, don't walk according to your flesh any longer, but walk by the Spirit. You know, that's one of the lessons that were there. Could be very much a part of what Paul was encouraging them to do. It is about walking in our faith in what God has given us. The second part of that was, well, continuing the faith. Why? Because you're going to face trouble. We've heard this before and often, but man, we, we definitely see it throughout Acts as why they need to be faithful is because they're going to face trouble if they're going to live their lives for Christ or if they're going to follow through with, with what you know, Jesus gave them to do, taking that gospel message into these new areas. Paul and Barnabas, they, they know that there's troubles. Matter of fact, in the verse, just to read where it says that, and saying that through many tribulations, you must enter the kingdom of God. So he's definitely saying, you're going to face troubles. You're going to face tribulations. There is risk in following after Jesus. Wouldn't we know that when Jesus said to his disciples, take up your cross and follow me? That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like a, an easy way. Doesn't sound like a smooth path, path to follow, does it? And we, we watch Jesus and what the circumstances he went through. Matter of fact, all those from Antioch and, and Iconium and Lystra, they saw, they witnessed for themselves the results of declaring that gospel message. Persecution rose up in Antioch. You know, the threat of stoning in, in Iconium and then being stoned in Lystra. Right? They, they were eyewitnesses to exactly what's going on. And now they're telling him, said, hey, this is going to happen. Matter of fact, the way he told him is very interesting. Many tribulations. We must enter. Through many, many, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I, I remember clearly just going through this, something that Jesus said. He, he said... Enter by the narrow gate. You remember those? Enter by the narrow gate. In that, he says, for, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, there, there's going to be many people. What, what does it mean? Okay, wide gate. Well, okay, it's easy entrance. Man, you, you just live, you live the way you want. And, and that entrance is is. I mean, that's the access to that entrance. You choose. Whatever's, and maybe that's where, where comfort is. That's what I want. I want comfortable. I, I, I don't want to be challenged. And, and so the way to destruction is following that direction. But then he says, uh, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Few are going to find that narrow way. Let me ask you, which path are you on? Let's think about the narrowness of that path. For one thing, there is only one way, right? There's one, only one access to the path. That path is... Is, is led by Jesus who died for our sinfulness and rose from the grave. It is that gospel message that was preached to them and they accepted. That's the narrow way. Only through Jesus. And, and then to follow after him, oh man, it says, 
and the way is hard. <laughs> because there's something about that, that wide path that, that just, it leads to destruction. It's about my way, but, but man, to follow that narrow path is this. It's, God, may your will be done. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. I want to align my life with him, and I want to follow after Jesus. That's the path that we are learning. That's the, the one we're called to follow. And guess what? We're to affect this world. We're to bring to this world that light of Jesus, that message of Christ. That becomes difficult in a world around us that continues in the sinfulness and the rebellion against God. That's where we'll find conflict, and that's where we need to go and declare that message. What path are you on? I'd just give you just a moment to think, you know, is, what have I been choosing here in my life, even throughout the weeks? Has it been the wide path, or has it been that narrow path to follow? Jesus, I think that's one we all need to wrestle with and to be honest about. There, there's one last part of this I think that's important for us as a congregation as we come together. And it is that idea of leadership that's, that's in that final verse, verse 23 that I read. That, that something they, they did besides speaking, they, they had some action, that they appointed leaders for each of those churches. I believe they did that in Derby, they did in Lister, Iconium, and Antioch, the churches they preached at. They left leadership. Now, the question is, it doesn't say exactly how they chose those leaders. It's quite possible maybe they followed the pattern now to Acts chapter 6, verse 3, where where. Through Paul and Barnabas' leader, they might, have, they might have asked, hey, choose for yourselves those who have good reputation, um, also who have, are full of the Spirit and wisdom. These, these men needed to have these qualities in order to lead the congregation. Good reputation, full of wisdom, and, and full, of, full of the Holy Spirit. Those three questions. Those are men who are going to be able to lead and be the strength of each congregation. Do you think that our leaders are the strength of our congregation? Do we see that the elders that have been chosen for our congregation are, are, the, are the ones, you know, it, depending on how strong they are, is how the congregation goes. Are you praying for our leaders? Are you praying for our leaders? These are guys that are going to continue to lead them in areas where there is persecution, opposition, and, and uh, they might even be facing stoning. Who knows? But I think it's important for us to think about our leadership here. Where are they taking us? Are they directing us, maybe perhaps even clearly, through that narrow path that God has directed us to? Listen, Paul and Barnabas were absolutely tough. They were kingdom tough. And I do believe that you and I are called to be kingdom tough as well. Not to be fearful of what God has called us to. To taking a message into the community. Uh, to, to have that perspective of, of, you know, maybe taking a life preserver to people who are drowning. Or even better, better yet, to take eternal life, that message of eternal life of Jesus, to people that we don't want to see spend eternity in hell. 
Jesus came with a passionate heart for you and I, for, for his creation and for people to come to know him. He left us with that great message. But therefore, I think that the message is the same. The preaching needs to be this. Hey, continue to be faithful. Continue to be faithful. Continue to follow after Jesus. Continue to serve his purpose, his kingdom. And, and along with that, I just continue to challenge Pray for that leadership. Pray for the leadership amongst us that is leading us to do those very things and strengthening us or, or helping us to, to be encouraged to be strengthened in our faithfulness in Jesus. That's a good place to put our faith, right? That's the only place to put our faith is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. Lord, uh, I praise you just for the, the content of the scriptures, the actions that we see taking place as Paul and Barnabas go in, into, the, in, into these areas that, that have not heard of Jesus. And Father, the, the things, the obstacles they face, the opposition, the adversities, Lord, even facing death, uh, Lord, it is good to see. But Lord, may it challenge us to see the community around us, especially those who have not heard or those who need to hear uh, the very words of, of Jesus spoken, that that gospel being declared. Help us, Father, to, to know that, that on one side it is good to be called your children. It is good to be called uh, your kingdom people. But Lord, together we want to be a, a congregation that is a light into this community, into this world, and, and a message that goes forth declaring the salvation through Jesus you've given to us. Lord, it is good, and we give you praise for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.